When you wear Tommy John, you're that much cooler. Not just because you're in better looking loungewear, because most loungewear just sucks. You can do everything better thanks to breathable, lightweight fabric with four times the stretch of competing brands. I don't sit here. I don't care about telling you about how innovative it is. It feels like it's made from kittens. It's like angels sewed it with kitten fur. I don't know. But it's comfortable and you can lounge at home in it. It's great for summer because the lightweight, stretchy fabric... God bless innovation. So look, this is why Tommy John doesn't have customers. They have fanatics. With over 17 million pairs sold, people dig themselves some Tommy John underwear and loungewear, or as I like to say, leisure wear. You can shop TommyJohn.com slash Dana now and get 20% off your first order. Tommy John fanatics are happy about this. And if you're not a fanatic, you will be. Get 20% off at TommyJohn.com slash Dana. Check out them joggers. Check out them Henleys. TommyJohn.com slash Dana. See site for details. Well, they clearly will not prevent every tragedy. We know certain ones will have significant impact and have no negative impact on the Second Amendment. Second Amendment's not absolute. When it was passed, you couldn't own a... You couldn't own a cannon. Oh, my gosh, You couldn't own certain kinds of weapons. It's just always been limitations. Is it too much to expect that any elected official, when they talk about the law, that they know about the law? It would be really nice because otherwise I don't see I'm not going to follow the laws of people who pass things and they don't know what they're amending. Not going to do it. You can physically come and make me. You'll walk back on nubbins. Welcome back. It's it's Thursday. I almost said Friday. Look at it. I was like, it's for Thursday. Dana Lash here with you. Uh, Yesterday was a hard day. We covered everything with you, Valde, and we have more developments today. We have a packed show for you today, in fact, uh, because yesterday we were, everybody was processing. We were trying to uh, figure out, you know, what some of the details were. I still have a lot of questions, and I'm not the only one. And one of the questions that I, I wanted to bring up, and yesterday we discussed this, I am so curious because we need it, we need to know what happened. Um, between the period from first engagement to the final engagement with this murderer. And there was scant detail and many oftentimes conflicting detail from law enforcement. Now, I get it. It's because they're still investigating. And I'm going to say this and I'm going to say this one time because nothing's going to set me off than people making stupid comments about this. Asking questions isn't pointing fingers. I question the gene pool of anyone who says otherwise. And if anybody has a problem with me asking questions, I don't need you. Go away. You cannot watch our show. Don't join us in the chat. Don't do any of that. We don't want you. They're two different things. And if you think that as free citizens, we're not allowed to ask questions, especially about some of the video we've been seeing and ask questions about what exactly happened from first engagement to last engagement? If you cannot process that that is us asking a question without saying, but you're pointing fingers, then get out. Because that type of person is precisely my problem. Only time I'm going to say it. I don't care that we're on three hours. I'm saying it once. Now, that being said, this situation that we've been seeing, there was a lot of, and I get it because it's, we're in a fog of info. That's just how it is with with this stuff. You're in like a fog of information. You're trying to figure out what's going on. And in looking at this, the whole ordeal between the 
911 call from a neighbor and then the first the first engagement from I'll just gonna say law enforcement officer because there's even conflicting information about that whether or not the first person to engage with this murderer was border patrol uh, like a somebody said border patrol officer but then it was border patrol that ended up showing up and you know all this stuff we didn't get a lot of clarification i thought in the press conference yesterday with abbott that irish bob showed up to we didn't get a lot of we did not get a lot of clarification then and that's one of the questions after it concluded i had asked kane i said doesn't i I really want to know more about this particular issue right here this particular instance and so you know what what happened Uh, there apparently he like had uh, was in was met by an SRO, but was still able to access the building, and that's all we were told. And we we do know that there was an unlocked door, so a lot of questions. I bring this up because there's some pretty bad uh, video and headlines out there. Uh, one of the and you, we have to talk about it. One of the bad, and it's not always comfortable to talk about, but we got to do it. One of the videos that's out there, and one of the headlines is that there it was 40 minutes before. Anyone was able to get in. New York Post has it. Associated Press was, I think, the first to report it. But there was video, and I don't know at what point in this entire, uh, in the entire tragedy that this video was taken. But there was video that was taken of parents who were apparently being prevented by police from going into the school because um, there it apparently took forty minutes to breach the classroom, and that the murderer there was he was able to get past at least an SRO and get inside and barricade himself in the building. And then they didn't have a key. So they had to go and get a key to unlock the door. And that's what came in that, that is from KNS five daily mail associated press uh, and New York post. And this, it took, they said that when uh, SRO was at the scene, did not stop the murderer from making his way inside. And they said two other officers also rushed to the school at that time. And now see, here's the other conflicting thing. Yesterday, we were told a neighbor called police. Now, she called police, the grandmother? That's something else because there's, that, there's also some, some, some other detail there. But at that point, the murderer then shot at the other two officers that arrived and then barricaded himself in the classroom. See, this is where there are more questions. And I know at some point we'll have more information that comes out. I get it. It's an active investigation. But you, it, it's completely justified to ask questions. Now, they said that, and this is, what was, this is what was reported by every outlet that I've looked, and I've looked at a million different stories of this beginning last night. Uh, they had to go and obtain a key to open the door because they couldn't break it down. And then there were a lot of questions as to why there wasn't a key that was kept. Oh, there was a lot of questions. And this is what kills me. This is what what guts me. This is from KNS 5. And KNS 5 said was had uh, gotten some eyewitness reports from fourth graders who survived. And one fourth grader gave some pretty uh, gut wrenching details. And he said that what he witnessed, he said uh, the murderer had had shot the next person's door. We have a door in the middle and he opened it and he came in and he crouched a little bit and said, it's time to die. And the boy and four others hid under a table that had a tablecloth over it 
which they, which authorities believe shielded them from the murderer's view and saved their lives. And it, it I mean, it's, it's rough. At one point, um, when one of the, when the officers were able to breach the inside of the building, one of them said, y'all, or yell if you need help. And one of the persons in my class said the fourth grader said help, and the murderer overheard and came in and shot her. So I understand too, and I want to look at this, and I want you to realize this as well, and I'm only going to say this one time. When you have someone who's barricaded themselves in a building, you can't use the same tactics that you would in a normal situation like this. This is not, you know, where you're out in a, uh, a wider public area where there is no, there isn't any obstacle in making sure that you get your, your, you, you protect the people that you're trying to protect. When, and I'm not even sure if they even knew if it was one person or not at that point. And so I understand the caution and I understand not being able to just use the exact, some of the tactics that we all would use. At the same time, I got to tell you, if I was the parent that was standing out there and I was being prevented from going inside, there's, because we've heard about securing the perimeter in Parkland, I will tell you that no officer is going to be able to restrain me. Oh, I pro- you will have to kill me. That is not hyperbole. That is fact. And I probably, in some instances, have more training. I'm just saying. But you, don't, you can't use the same tactics in every situation. And when you get there, there are a lot of variables that are unknown. So you also have to see it from that perspective, too. Because you could barge in and you could think that you're doing the right thing and end up getting more people killed. That's something that you also have to consider. Which is why we need more information. The reason that we ask these questions for the uninitiated isn't because we're trying to apportion blame. I get it in society that the first thing that society wants to figure out is, okay, who are we going to blame? Who are we going to blame? And they're eager to blame someone so they don't have any for themselves. That's the whole reason why they rush. But for the uninitiated, the reason that we're asking these questions is because we want to prevent it from happening again. There is not going to be a one-size-fits-all response to anything. However, asking questions and taking inventory of what happened is going to help identify areas in which people performed well, people didn't perform well, and like for instance in Parkland, under Scott Israel, gross negligence. Now we are apparently supposed to have a press conference with DPS, and that is the Department of Public Safety. I am not quite sure at which point in the afternoon we are to expect this, but I know one is going to take place. If it should happen while we are on air, we will carry that for you live. Now, some of the other things that we're going to get into today, there was a lot of movement on the hill. A lot of movement on the hill. Because there are, and you should know this, there are three major Senate bills as it pertains to firearm regulation. Further firearm regulation. One of them we've discussed before. One of them is that crazy, make everybody an FFL just to even buy a gun. And we went over that yesterday. The other two instances, the other two instances 
are, or the other two bills rather, are the universal background check bill and a red flag bill. Now the red flag bill and the universal background check bill, they were Senate bills. Schumer was shepherding those through yesterday. And it seemed like there was was a, a good amount of movement on it. And then all of a sudden he pulled him. He pulled him yesterday. The headline that came out is that the gun control vote was going to have to wait. It was a New York Times piece that said Schumer was moving quickly. He was going to vote on gun control in the Senate within hours. They had moved to clear the way to force votes. And this was something they were going to do in the coming days to get it through the Senate and then get it to Biden. Now, they pulled them. Why did they pull these bills? Chuck Schumer had two bills, universal background checks, and he had a bill on red flag. And the red flag one, I thought, you know, I had made a, a mention to a friend of mine who works on the Hill. I said, if anything's going to pass, it's going to be that one. The, UB, the universal background checks, the UBC bill, that's not going to be because there's, it's, it's difficult for them to, when you, if you try to pin a Democrat down and make them explain what that bill is, they can't. If you try to get them to explain it in 60 seconds, they can't. Red flag law. That is something that they can, I think, prey on people's ignorance about and say, oh, we need this, forgetting the fact that you have all these other legal opportunities at your fingertips. They pulled them because they didn't have the votes. You got to have 60. Manchin said he's not going to kill the filibuster. There you go. We're going to talk more about this. Also, coming up in the program, we're going to speak with Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne. She represents Texas's 24th district in D.C., former mayor of Irving, Texas, as well. We're going to talk to her about some of this legislation because there were some bills in the House as well. In fact, I think the UBC bill was the one that was kicked over to the Senate. We're going to talk to her about some of that. Uh, Additionally, we got my friend Andrew Pollack on. My dear friend Andrew Pollack, he is the father uh, of, of three children. His daughter, Meadow, was killed in Parkland, and he has spent his life since then working to fortify schools. We're going to talk with him. Also, Texas State Representative Matt Schaefer. We're going to discuss funding and how it's being allocated in Texas, particularly for school security. So it's a packed show. You don't want to miss. You're not going to get all of the latest anywhere else in such a way as you will here. In 2021, there were more than 3 million new gun owners in the United States, and now around 42% of all households in the United States have a firearm. People support the Second Amendment. For firearm enthusiasts, suppressors are a good idea when practicing at the range, indoors or outdoors. I mean, a suppressor doesn't silence your firearm, but it does help to protect your hearing, and even more so for those who like to spend a lot of time training with their firearms. My friends at Silencer Shop are the industry leader for suppressors. They're a Texas-based company, and their customer reviews are Awesome. So if you're new to shooting suppress, I want you to know that Silencer Shop has made the NFA process easy. Details are online at silencershop.com with free shipping and no transfer fees. And their suppressors start at just $365. Search Silencer Shop on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube and spend more time at the range protected with a suppressor that's right for you. See their variety and how to get yours through silencershop.com. That's silencershop.com. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Horrible news. Ray Liotta, dead at 67 years of age. He passed away in his sleep in the Dominican Republic. 
Leota was in the country shooting a movie called Dangerous Waters. And according to sources, they say nothing was suspicious about it. There's no foul play suspected. His fiance was with him while he was filming. Obviously, everybody knows him from his role in Goodfellas, but he also did Field of Dreams and he did Unforgettable. He also did Blow. I mean, there's a million movies that he did. Uh, everybody always remembers Goodfellas, but he's a fantastic actor. And golly, Ray Liotta, 67 years old. And another actor. I mean, you know, you could flip these, but I don't know. It's just sad that, you know, it's Ray Liotta. I have to say it, not Kevin Spacey. He was charged with sexually assaulting three men in the UK. He's like the Harvey Weinstein, but for dudes. And it says that the charges follow a review of evidence gathered by the Metropolitan Police in their investigation. So, yeah. Additionally, uh, Biden has signed an executive order restricting chokeholds and limiting the transfer of military equipment to police. I know. We're going to talk about this coming up. There's a lot. And apparently, you remember how Winnie the Pooh entered public domain in January of this year? So I guess someone is making a terrifying movie called Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey Horror. And it's the it says, oh, bother. I'm going to watch this. It's going to be kind of like Killer Clowns in Outer Space, I think. But I don't care because that was in a way great by itself. Uh, California approves new water restrictions amongst worsening drought. I mean, instead of building any kind of salinization plants, they decided to just let's 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 mess around with a multi-million dollar rail. And then where did that money go? Nobody knows. Coming up, Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne joins us on universal background checks and some of the stuff that we're seeing move on the hill. Stick with us. Folks, how much control do you really have over your finances? So lately, we've seen an all-out assault on freedoms and liberties by the government. Mask mandates, vaccine mandates, vaccine passports, everybody trying to limit whether or not you can even go to a grocery store or restaurant. And we've seen how quickly the government can infringe on your personal freedoms, and they do the same with your finances. This is why I believe in diversifying with gold. Gold is physical. Gold is tangible and gold is safe from government control and gives you true control over your wealth, control that isn't tied to government regulated financial markets. The folks at Legacy Precious Metals are the gold standard when it comes to investing in precious metals and their team of experts can counsel you on the best options for you and your family. Take control of your financial situation and call Legacy Precious Metals at 866-580-2088 or visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com and download their free investor's guide. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. As the president said last night, we must have the courage to stand up to the gun lobby and pass reasonable gun safety laws. We must work together to create an America where everyone feels safe in their community, where children feel safe in their schools. That is uh, Vice President Kamala Harris, who wasted no time uh, immediately following the massacre in Uvalde to go out and call for something to be done. But how what can you how are you able to call for something to be done when we're still trying to figure out what happened and 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 all of the details of what happened? I mean, we still don't understand what happened from the moment of first engagement to last engagement with this murderer. And you have to ask these questions and you have to wait for the investigation so that you're not just throwing noodles at the wall. Um, but apparently that I guess that is not something that crossed the vice president's mind. 
So we're going to explore this, at least some of the stuff that's happening on the Hill. We talked about the Senate side of it and how Schumer had, there were two bills that were pulled because apparently the math doesn't add up. I know that there's a number of universal background check bills that are kind of, you know, waiting on the sidelines there in the House. And just to get a general idea of that and talk about, you know, 30,000 foot of this, uh, Texas Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne joins us, not from Hogwarts. She's in the, the member's... She's in the Library of Congress. And I the reason we say that is because it is the fanciest background that I've ever seen in my life. She's in Library of Congress right now. She is there doing the good work for the people of Texas. Congresswoman, uh, so good to see you. Thank you so much for joining Great us. Great to see you. This is not my house. Yeah. <laughs> this is not my house. Yeah. We, I, I, I the Library of Congress. Yes. I, I know that there's been some movement in, uh, and there always is when, when something like this happens, even before we know kind of the facts of the matter, which is important, especially if we're talking about fortifying yeah. schools and all of that stuff, which we're going to discuss with our friend Andy Pollack here coming up. There are um, two bills I know that are that are in the House right now. There's and the, both are the, both of them have to do with background check bills, and they're really similar. Uh, the Enhanced Background Checks Act of 2021, that's HR 1446, and then the Bipartisan Background Check Act, and that's HR 8. I I, I want to kind of get a, a temperature gauge from you as to where the house. It seems like the house is more apt because you know Democrat majority to pass something like this than what we saw in the Senate, where it is a very slim majority, and then you have Joe Manchin who doesn't want to get rid of the filibuster. Yeah, no, I, I I would say that if if the the, uh, the speaker has an opportunity to bring this to the House and she's going to pass it, then it would absolutely be done. You know, we don't have we don't have our numbers in the House to be able to prevent that. And I think whenever you see this type of an, an event happen, this horrific kind of event, it automatically is politicized. People throw whatever, as you mentioned earlier, you know, they'll throw whatever they they want to um, at the at the wall. And, and the fact is, is that. A background check in this particular instance would have done nothing to stop this. Um, moments after this happened, literally moments after this happened, I was looking at my um, social media posts. I was looking at other people's social media posts and the responses that we were get. It was condemnation, blood on our hands, people throwing hate out there without knowing anything. We had no idea how this per- person had even gotten a weapon. Um, we didn't know whose weapon it was. We knew nothing, and yet people automatically jump to a conclusion and they start facing blame and just and just blaming you know Republicans and blaming lack of laws. Mm. Well, the last time I checked, you know there are laws against going in and shooting anybody, much less elementary school kids. Uh, there are laws against that. What people need to do is take a beat, take a beat, realize that you have a community right now that is going through one of the most horrific events that it will ever go to uh, in its in its history, but hopefully moving forward. And it's trying to heal. It's trying to get answers to those questions that everybody has. And, and instead of them jumping on this as an opportunity to fundraise, as an opportunity to, to create more hatred and division, take a beat. Let's find out what happened. And let's really have that conversation about what we could do in the future to prevent it. Yeah, I'm talking with Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne from the great Republic of Texas. And, and, and that's that is so true because we again we we're still we were listening to I think we have a press conference later today from Department of Public Safety to maybe give us some more details on what happened because I apparently it was a locked door an unlocked door rather that allowed yeah. this murderer to access the building and as you said I mean this is a community that's going through no no community I can even imagine going through something like this. They had their newspaper that came out this morning and it was just a one black front page with the, uh, yesterday's date uh, and which, you know, is marking. Obviously, it's one of the, the greatest mass casualty incidents in a school. 
Which brings us to the fortification, too, because the background checks, this individual passed a background check. So expanding that system was not going to solve this issue. But school fortification, why is there such a hesitation? And I say this because I see Democrat members of the House saying, well, you know, having one entry or one exit not going to that's not going to be helpful or you're turning schools into prisons. But, you know, we have more security at concerts than we do our schools. And I don't feel like when I go to a concert, Congresswoman, I don't feel like it's a prison at all. You know, I, you can definitely do things to harden uh, soft targets right now. You know, whether or not it's, it's having more student resource officers there is, is something that you can consider. Do you have the resources to be able to do that? You know, but at the same token, you're never going to be able to make something 100% safe. You know, kids are going to be out on the playground. They're going to be playing. They're going to be going, you know, onto buses. Uh, there will always be some vulnerabilities. But really, what do we know at this point in time? Um, what do we know? We know that this was a very disturbed individual. We know that he had a broken home. We know that he had been moving between his mom and his grandmother. Uh, there are uh, accusations that his mother was, was a drug user, um, that, that he seemed to be bullied when he was younger, that he lived instead of uh, having real friends, he lived out his social life on social media. That's how he, that's how he had uh, you know, any kind of connection with the outside world. These are all terrible things. What I haven't heard, though, is where was this guy's dad? We're, you know, we've heard about his mom, we've heard about his grandmother, but we haven't heard anything about the, how the male influences in his family. What happened with that? You know, and, and what kind of interactions did he have with, with school kids? What kind of interactions did he have with his teachers? We do need to get to the bottom of this because we don't want to see these. But can we all agree that Republican, Independent, Democrat, none of us want to see this happen again? Instead of throwing out all these hateful things, can we actually agree that nobody wants to see elementary school? school kids get killed. That's not, that's not what we want. But we also don't want to throw out cheap and politically motivated solutions that are not going to solve the problem. Yeah. It's cheap. It's horrible. I mean, what Beto did last night, you know, yesterday um, in Uvalde, for no other reason than to get political points, to get his name in the paper. He made it about him. This was not about you, Beto. This was about what was happening in that community, those parents, what they're going through, the entire community and what happened to those kids and how we can prevent it from happening in the future. Don't make it about you. There's a lot of people, a lot of people in that area from what I have been hearing share that sentiment. Even people who may have been inclined to vote for the things that he stands for. Talking with Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne uh, about all of this. From what I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, in some of the coronavirus, uh, the COVID bill spending, there was some uh, uh, money apportioned for school security. Was there any... Do, uh, do we know how much uh, or what kind of oversight was on that it, it, in terms of do we know what they were spending the money on in terms of school security and if they did actually spend money that was allocated for school security? There was a lot of discretion that was left up to each individual um, school district and a lot of the larger school districts obviously got more money. So what they were able to do um, was different than what some of the smaller school districts like Uvalde was able to do. So that 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 was on a case by case basis. And they also had longer time period to be able to uh, to be able to spend it. So I don't know in this particular Mm -hmm. instance how much that this particular ISD received and what they decided to do with it. But, yeah, there was there was thought put into that, making sure that there was some school security moving forward. Yeah, that was Um, because that's a big question because people say, well, there's not enough funding. But I I thought and we're going to talk about the the state of Texas funding with uh, uh, Matt Schaefer coming up. But in terms of federal funding, because I I mean, there seems to be a lot of federal money that is my and. It's it's my question isn't to like point blame it at at, at, the point is not to point blame at Congress, but rather do schools because when they get a certain amount of money, I mean, unless they're bringing in maybe some security, 
um, consultants, it can maybe they don't know how to best, you know, use those funds to fortify schools. I mean, there's so many questions. Well, they also have to look at what the risk is, yeah. you know, the, the risk assessment from each school. And, and you know, that's an inner city in New York City, for example, is going to have probably a different you know, risk assessment than a small school in, in Uvalde. If you had looked at the, the data up until you know, up until this week, yeah, um, but how they're how they're spending it, for example, they actually did have a student resource officer when I was mayor in the city of Irving. We had, you know, there was a, a partnership between the ISD and between the city where they split the cost of the police officer. And that police officer, we had two of those in our high schools, and we had one of those in the middle school. And quite honestly, the, the student, resource, student resource officer's position, the job, the responsibility was to make sure that the kids weren't fighting, which is why we had more in the high schools. It wasn't a priority put in, in the elementary schools because at that point in time, we didn't look at the risk as being very high of needing one of those full-time. This school did have a, a full-time uh, student resource officer who was there, who engaged early on and trying to find out what actually happened. I know that he was shot at, whether or not this the, the SRR was actually struck. I don't know at this mm -hmm. point in time. I've seen com conflicting reports. But yeah, we, we do need to prioritize and make sure our, our schools are safe. We're mm -hmm. spending so much time you know, up in D.C. and making sure they... they uh, the capital is safe. How many millions and millions of dollars have we spent here to make sure our lawmakers are safe without you know the, the same types of threats? Um, we need to make sure that we're at least spending uh, in, in, in prioritizing our, our kids, our, our, our future, yeah. just as much. That's a great point about the more. lawmaker security as well. And we saw all those police come out to arrest parents at school board meetings. It just just imagine if we had that yep. kind of attention on school security for our kids. Last question for you, talking with Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne. Is there... I, and I'm trying to figure out the best way because it can go into the weeds, this question. Is there a, 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 any kind of need that you see um, that can be addressed federally in terms of some school districts maybe not having the budget that other school districts do to where they can bring in someone to do a risk assessment? Or because a lot of the security that can be done is security that people can't even see. I mean, multi-layer security. Yeah. Is there is there a, a need, do you think, uh, that can does that is that a need that can be addressed and is that a need that you think that Congress needs to address or could help states address your thoughts? We could definitely help states. I mean, we just had this conversation about places of worship and looking at their security. You know, you know what happened in Colleyville a few months ago when we had four members of, of our uh, synagogue that were taken um, hostage uh, by by a, a terrorist and making sure that the places of worship are just as safe. You know, as their schools, when you drop kids off at school, you're thinking they are they're safe. You're, you're looking forward to being able to pick them back up again. We need to be able to focus on that. But there's also, I think, legislation that we could have conversations about. Um, I tried to pass a bill last year that looked at uh, kids who had committed felonies, violent felonies, not being able to have their records expunged when they hit 18 and being able to purchase guns. I got zero Democrat support, zero Democrats focused on that and helped. So if we really are serious about about the idea of being able to protect kids and not having them be like my, my point of the bill was that you've got a lot of kids under the age of 18, especially in inner cities that have gang members who are looking at them. They're very vulnerable to be able to commit crimes because they get their their um, their records expunged when they turn 18. What can we do? Can we sit down and have a conversation where it's not full of hate, not full of division, not full of just of, of politics, but actually sit down? I tried to bring a bill to the floor. Um, that would have prevented some of the some of the issues that we have seen. And I got zero Democrat support. Got zero support in the House. And then yesterday, apparently, U.S. Senator Ron Johnson, his School Safety Act was blocked by Democrats. So I guess the question is, how serious yeah. are our 
brethren on the other side of the aisle. Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne from Texas, always so good to see you. Thank you so much for your good time, to see Congresswoman. You too. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We have more to come, folks, as we barrel towards the end of this first hour of our broadcast. And that is true. That was uh, a bill. It was the Luke and Alex School Safety Act. So Congresswoman Van Dyne had a bill that was blocked on uh, that would have addressed safety issues. And then the Luke and Alex School Safety Act, this would have codified a clearinghouse of information for school safety practices and schools could actually work together and share things that I mean, it, it was it was really it was a way to help schools partner and to use some of the resources from, you know, the federal government. That's a, if people don't want the federal government involved, that's a whole other conversation. Um, but this was apparently they it Schumer blocked passage of the bill. Um. They won't, apparently, the only thing that they're interested in addressing is gun regulation. So we're going to talk a little bit more about this here coming up. Almost every day we hear about another major corporation that's gone woke, tormenting their employees with progressive propaganda and funding organizations that seem to hate the country and values and free speech and rights in the Constitution. So this is why I'm proud to support Patriot Mobile. It's America's only Christian conservative cell phone provider. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers, so you get the same great service. Plus, you get the peace of mind that your money is supporting free speech, life, and liberty. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget, and their 100% U.S.-based customer support team provides exceptional customer service. Patriot Mobile shares your values and supports organizations that fight for religious freedom, constitutional rights, sanctity of life, our veterans, and first responder heroes. Visit PatriotMobile.com slash Dana or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation with offer code Dana. Veterans and first responders save even more, so make that switch today. Support a company that loves America, loves you, and shares your values. PatriotMobile.com slash Dana. That's Patriot Mobile. Mobile.com slash Dana or call 972-PATRIOT today. Of all your favorite talk hosts, one of these is not like the others. The Dana Show. So coming up in our second hour, one of the things that you hear is that, oh, the U.S. is, you know, they have more mass shootings and and all of this than anywhere else. I'm going to go into the math with you. I told Kane, I was like, I paid $35 for a study to read hundreds of pages to go through some of this stuff for you. And so we're, I feel like I should go into the weeds to get my money's worth out of it, right? I mean, that's why you guys, that's why we're friends, right? So I want to go through, I wanted to go through some of it coming up uh, next hour. Additionally, uh, I wanted to bring up this. I saw this piece earlier and it's from the, a guy named Mark Fisher. He's, he's describes himself as a senior editor over at Washington Post, right? So he had probably one of the stupidest things I've ever read in my life as a story. And it was this. He, it, it said, quote, invented for Nazi infantrymen, further developed by the U.S. military, the AR-15 was the Texas school shooter's weapon of choice. He, and I, I tweeted, I said, when you're a senior editor and you can't even do the most basic research on your topic, this is the idiotic dribble you publish. And it's true. As my friend Ginny Cruda, I like the way she put about her. She said, World War II ended in 1945 and the armor light rifle AR was not a thing until a decade later. So tell me, was it the Nazis or armor light who invented time travel? Yeah. Which one was it? Great question. question. Yeah. So this, can you imagine being this guy? He's getting ratioed. If you just, you know, even if you're on social media, sometimes it's worth it just for the ratio, yeah. just to go and read the comments. That that seems like it's a fireable offense. I read his piece. There's not a single thing in there. It reads like a live journal entry. 
like a mad emo girl live journal injury. She just graduated from Brad Styles and she got her first makeup palette from Hot Topic. And she decided to just like go off. That's what Mark Fisher's whole story reads like. Who employs him? Washington Post. Yeah, there won't be any repercussions. Yeah. They want this type of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we've 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 got some things to discuss. Additionally, we were talking about the federal aspect of how money is, you know, some some of the movement of the bills and how money is allocated. We're going to talk about the Texas how much money for Texas and what was spent on school security, et cetera, with uh, State Representative Matt Schaefer. And next hour, my dear friend Andrew Pollack is going to talk about fortifying these schools and the best way to do it. We're going to get into all of it. And can we stop attacking the games? I read a piece where it said the Call of Duty obsessed government. I play Call of Duty. Stop it. I'm, yeah, I'm level 50 prestige. I play Call of Duty. Don't. Stick with us. Second hour on the way. Have you heard of American Wagyu? No. Well, I'm here to tell you it is some of the most sought after beef in the world and I can get you two free pounds. So our new friends at Good Ranchers are giving you two pounds of their American Wagyu burgers for free with my code Dana. So not only does Good Ranchers sell 100% American meat that is steakhouse quality, it is one of the best burgers on the market. And you'll find boxes like the Ranchers Classic, their best-selling combo of beef and chicken, or the new Prepper Kit. And with meat prices soaring, Good Ranchers will help you stock up. Have food security and save $25 on every box for life just with your subscription. So as long as you're subscribed, your price is not going to change. Two pounds of free Wagyu burgers and zero inflation. Yeah, this offer is not going to last long. So visit GoodRanchers.com Dana to get a box of amazing American meat and get two pounds of free American Wagyu burgers plus free shipping. That's GoodRanchers.com Dana. GoodRanchers.com slash Dana. I've got three kids who are in high school and middle school and elementary school. That's what they want. And, oh and I face their judgment and my conscience. Okay. I, can't. And I thought I was going to be able to play this cane. It's my bad. I can't. I can't hear it. That's Irish Bob who was outside. He went to Uvalde. And I don't know. Well, first off, welcome back to the show. Second hour of the program. Did you guys hear all the details with us? CBS. They had the CBS lady who accidentally gave it up. Uh, where's this at? I know we have this audio. She had said that, and because I, I sent, I know we have it. She, it was a CBS reporter who had said that um, there were seat holders in front of the stage, two of them, and that when they ended up, one of them, they ended up getting up and leaving as the press conference started, and then uh, Beta came in, and I say Beta because that's what the that's what Time Magazine accidentally called him. They said his name was Beta or Rourke, and then they had to come out yesterday and say, oh, correction. His, his name is Beto. Now, also, sidebar, his nickname, his dad, Pat O'Rourke, told the Dallas Morning News in an interview before he passed away, or before he's killed in a car wreck, uh, that he gave his son the nickname Beto because it played well with Hispanic voters. And that's a direct quote. You have to go to Wayback Machine because Dallas Morning News deleted the article. But I got it. Um, but yeah, that's what his dad told Dallas Morning News. So it's total appropriation. Anyway, so Irish Bob uh, went and had a uh, competing news conference outside of that news conference he had a presser outside. Here here in that press conference, they were telling you new details about what happened and answering questions, and you had Irish Bob outside who was trying to compete for attention. That is just it, it is just no class. No class. There's no word if he drove there himself drunk like, you know, he got in trouble doing before. 
uh, and then try to flee the scene. No, and that actually did happen. Don't lie. So he was there and it was all staged. You know, you heard Congresswoman Bethany Dine saying that last hour that she had a bill um, that was addressing school safety and Democrats nixed it. Ron Johnson had a bill that was about school safety and Chuck Schumer uh, shut it down yesterday. So, I, you know, you kind of at this point have to ask, are these people actually serious about this issue or not? This is, I mean, this is, I think that's a legitimate question to ask. And no one, everyone wants to talk about, you know, uh, everything, everything that happened. I want to get into some of the, the dumb things that I've heard being said, and I just want to correct them factually. But the other big, and I'm, we're waiting, uh, or awaiting a press conference from officials on this. The Associated Press had reported that there were, a, there were officers standing outside of the building either trying to get a perimeter or something set up and they were not allowing parents uh, to go in and help their kids. And it was a 40 minute time span. Yeah, it's bad. I think that it's fair to say that someone needs, we need answers for these videos and these reports that we're seeing because everybody talked about the coward of Broward. You guys remember that Scott Peterson. That guy was a coward. Scott Israel was a horrible. He apparently got sheriff somewhere else. He decided to play musical chairs around Florida to get a to because he he wants to be on the, the taxpayer's teat. That guy who I never met before. I had never been in that county ever in my life and sat across stage and told me I was responsible for his failures on the job. And so now I'm just saying I don't want it to be that situation. I hope that there's a a good explanation for some of the videos and the reports that we're seeing. But as citizens who all pay taxes and we have kids, we have every right to ask questions and we have every right to, to expect explanations. And I hope we get some of that today as we're awaiting this press conference. I mean, I'm not going to speculate on what's, you know, what, what I don't know, but what we do know is that there's some video from at some point during the massacre that I don't know if there was a perimeter being set up. I, I mean, I really don't know what's happening in the videos, except that it's there outside of the school and parents were being prevented from going in. I, and I don't, I got questions. So, and apparently the murderer was still inside with the kids. So hopefully we'll get some answers on that. Because that would make Scott Peterson, well, he'd look, he'd, oh goodness, it, it, it would pale in comparison to scott peterson good heavens so i wanted to bring a couple of points that i see people making as we wait wait for more information i know that there was this there was this tweet from chastin Buttigieg, who said as someone who ran lockdown drills and worked on school a school safety committee a one-door solution is an irresponsible and egregious recommendation far removed from reality Chastin Buttigieg is one of the dumbest people alive besides Frank Luntz. And every single security expert I've ever spoken with disagrees with him. I'm shocked that he is comfortable enough and is thinks so highly of himself that he can be this stupid publicly without any actual embarrassment. I mean, that's a real lack of self-awareness. 
Don't be a Chastin. I I mean, what? Good heavens. They don't want to talk about the unlocked door. You can have every law in the books that you want to. I have a massive post, and this is why I actually, uh, I didn't have an email prep that came out yesterday or came out this morning because I had a massive post I'm working on. It is a lot. And one of the aspects of this post I get into, I expand on the stuff that I've written over the past decade plus over some of the myths, debunking them, and I'm using the most current information. And I was going over, in addition to some studies about mass shootings yesterday, I was also looking at um, the FBI uniform crime reports, the latest information released in 2020. And as it still remains, you know, rifles are still responsible for the least amount of horrificness and, and really uh, crimes uh, by far. But one of the things that I noted is that prisoners and there's a 2016 study that the doj has done there's a ProPublica study there's a rancorp study uh there are i mean i have like five or six different independent studies independent of each other that all came to the same conclusion and they interviewed felons they interviewed uh, uh criminals in state prisons they interviewed uh, you know so many people at the majority like 79 percent in fact, the only discrepancy was in one study, it was 79%, and another, it was 83% of the criminals uh, get their firearms off the black market. They, it was uh, 1.2%, uh, and that's the DOJ study, that actually went into a store, a retail store, an FFL, and got them. So it doesn't matter what laws you pass, because we have, we have the... the Gun-Free School Zones Act that has been in place since 1990, a thousand feet around a school property, not the building, the property, you can't have a gun. That's a felony. Uh, or actually, yeah, it's a felony and, and because Texas increased also the penalty as well with their Gun-Free Zone Act. So you have, and, and they, they increased it by one degree for a weapons crime. So you have the Gun-Free School Zone Act, 1,000 feet around the school, no guns. Uh, in addition, Texas had beefed that up. Uh, secondly, you have criminals, the vast majority, getting their firearms on the black market. I don't know what other law you would have that's going to lock that unlocked door. It was an unlocked door. Four-foot perimeter fence and an unlocked door. I mean, I, I, I don't, and this is after... And we're going to talk to uh, Texas uh, lawmaker Matt Schaefer about this. This is after $211 million in 2019 spent on school, sec- school security enhancements. A lot of questions. And so where, why is there this, this aversion from Democrats not all Democrats, but lawmakers and the ones who are bringing stuff to the floor. Why is there this aversion to having any kind of discussion about fortification? Hmm? Everyone sits here and they, have, they, they talk a really good game. And they say, oh, the United States you know, has you know, more mass shootings. I actually, did, I actually did the work that journalists won't do on this. We don't. In fact, there was a, a, an abstract a study, and I'm going to send this out to you. The U.S. is below the world average in terms of mass casualty incidents like this with an illegally possessed firearm. And the global increase over time has been bigger than for the United States. And this 
has been so misrepresented by so many. And this was uh, the study that I have, and I wanted to bring this up to cite it. It's it's um, actually it was done in 2018. My friend John Lott, who did a great job with this, it's comparing the global rate of mass public shootings to the U.S.'s rate of comparing their cha- their changes over time. And so, over 18 years from 1998 to 2015, 2,354 attacks and at least 4,880 uh, shooters outside the United States, and 53 ta- attacks and 57 shooters within the United States. By the count of these these studies, authors, the U.S. makes up less than 1.15 percent of the mass public shooters, 1.49 percent of their murders, and 2.20 percent of their attacks. All of these are less than the United States' 4.6 percent share of the world population. And attacks in the United States are not only less frequent than other countries, but they're also much less deadly on average. So that's incredibly important to keep in mind. Incredibly important. And all of these countries also where they this study cites is they have way more gun control than in the United States too. Yet they have higher per capita deaths for mass casualty than the United States. And they looked at data over an 18-year period and concluded that the U.S. was actually 64th in the world in terms of mass casualty incidents from illegally possessed firearms rates per capita. And some of the countries just didn't even report data. Countries like Brazil and, you know, Australia, they didn't even report their data. So it's, you can't, there wasn't any way to actually compare that. And if you look, too, in the United States, the, the states with the loosest firearm laws, like Wyoming, for instance, oh, 59.7% of households have a gun. They have the least restrictive laws in the United States, and they have no firearm homicide problem. Uh, And looking at some of their statistics, it's 1.4 per 100,000. It's actually lower in Wyoming than it is in Canada. Canada has gun control. D.C. and New York and New Jersey have some of the most restrictive laws in the country, and they have the lowest rates, particularly New Jersey and D.C., lowest rates of legal firearm ownership, and they have higher, quote-unquote, gun violence rates. But you know what's interesting in all of this? All of these states that actually add to the homicide rate with firearms and mass casualty incidents, there is one common denominator. I don't like to politicize things, but if Democrats want to walk down this road, I'm happy to note that every single one, I'm not happy to note it, I think it's sickening, every single one of these states have majority Democrat legislation or legislative bodies. They have a Democrat governor. And when they when these people can actually look within their own states and look at the homicide rate, look at the recidivism and look at crimes committed with illegally possessed legal to own inanimate objects. These states where they have generationally run them. And they can reduce their own homicide, then they can go out and lecture everybody else about what to do with theirs. Professor Gadsad joins me for the entire podcast to discuss how the left is constantly trying to manipulate our minds to no longer recognize reality. I'm Sarah Carter. On the latest Sarah Carter Show, Professor Sad explains how the left brainwashes people to embrace sheer nonsense like men being able to have babies. He also explains how to develop the mindset to fight back and to equip our children to do the same. Join us. Follow the Sarah Carter Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick 5, brought to you by Caltech. 
So NASA has captured an eruption of a shark cano. NASA's Earth Observatory has released satellite images of an undersea volcano erupting. It was taken on May 14th by Operational Land Imager 2 on the Landsat 9 satellite. I don't know what any that means. Uh, it shows a plume of discolored water being emitted from a subvolcano and the submarine volcano. It's under the water. Uh, they. It's the Kavachi Volcano in Solomon Islands. It's one of the most active. And it was dubbed Sharkano after a 2015 expedition to the site real, revealed that the crater was an unlikely home to two species of shark, suggesting that large marine animals are able to exist in this extreme environment, tolerating hot and acidic water. So like a scalloped hammerhead and the silky shark and other multiple fish species. It's just actually kind of cool when you think about it. Uh, and then the word chief is no longer going to be used in job titles in San Francisco school districts. Yeah. My friend Andy Pollock is going to join us next. Apologize for the short headlines. We went long. Unusual. Andy Pollock joins us next. Want a behind-the-scenes look at The Dana Show? Subscribe to Dana's chapter and verse newsletter for a deeper dive in all things Dana at DanaLash.com. So many Republicans say uh, the answer is more mental health funding. Well, that's BS. There's um, a mental health crisis in this country, but it doesn't explain the gun violence epidemic. We don't have any more mental illness in the United States than any other country. It's that um, in this country, when you have homicidal thoughts, you have easy access to weapons of war that allow you to kill 20 kids at one moment. This, These conversations, and that's Senator Chris Murphy, who was resisting calls for not just a a more thorough examination of mental health, particularly in kids in school, but also funding for districts who do not have the budgetary capability to handle it themselves. And, you know, we spoke with Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne uh, about a a safety bill that she had that was scrapped. Uh, Senator Ron Johnson had a school security bill that was just scrapped yesterday by Chuck Schumer. I, I'm at a loss. I don't know why there is resistance to this because these are preventable. They are preventable. And whenever something like this happens, I have some very uh, dear people to me that I have gotten to know very well through uh, horrific circumstances, through tragedies that I would not imagine for anybody. Uh And one of those individuals, Andrew Pollack, has been working tirelessly since he lost his beautiful daughter, Meadow, in Parkland. And we learned all of the details about Parkland in the days and weeks after the warning signs, uh, the numerous calls to law enforcement, sweeping criminal activity under the rug. Uh, A lot of things came out. In fact, Andy Pollack has written an absolute must-read book on it. We've talked about this book before. Why Meadow Died, The People and Policies That Created the Parkland Shooter and Endanger America's Students. It's available at Simon & Schuster, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Amazon, and elsewhere. And he gets into not just everything that happened in Parkland, but also things that other school districts share. And when I was reading and and all of the reports about uh, the elementary school in Uvalde, I was immediately reminded of numerous passages from Andy's book with Max Eden. Andy Pollack joins us now on the phone. He's a very busy man, and he has been working so tirelessly to raise awareness about school security and also to fortify schools. Andy, God bless you. I, I love you, my friend, and I, I, I always I just want to give you a huge heart hug. 
whenever uh, I know that these these situations are hard for you. And in a way, you kind of have to you relive it, especially when you've been working so hard to prevent these things from happening again. Thank you for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. And right back at you. I love you and your family also. And you know what? You touched on something uh, that's at it's at the the top of the list is the mental health in this country. Okay, but it goes deeper than that. So what's going on now? And you know my wife Julie. She's in the ER physician. Yes. What goes on with mental health? I'm going to give you a statistic. Over the last 25 years, fifty uh, percent of the shooters, the ma- in the with the mass shootings, were already seeing mental health counselors. Okay, and not one was deemed a threat to themselves or to others. So if you just put someone in mental health, right, and you know this stuff, and then they don't get dinged on their background, it it doesn't do anything. It, it, it defeats the whole purpose of them seeing these mental health counselors. So it bothers me so much when you see, like, this Biden just came out with this executive order against these reforms with the police departments. I believe that in the country right now, it's more the mental health counselors and that system that is failing us, allowing these people that it's a fine line, Dana, between mentally ill and evil. It's it's like very close, some of these people, and and they're allowed to go and purchase a rifle legally, no matter what counsel they see. And so it defeats the purpose. You could have all the bills in the planet going through on mental health, more money. But if they don't go through the full extent of that Baker Act where they get in front of the judge and it goes on their background, they're still able, a lot of these people, they're able to go and purchase a firearm. And, and that's the biggest problem that I see right now. Hmm. And one of the things, too, talking with Andy Pollock, one of the things that that in the years since Parkland that we discovered, too, is that uh, adjudicating someone mentally unfit. Now, that's a classification of of someone who is ineligible to purchase or carry. But yet not all of those cases are reported to the National Crime Information Center. That's the clearinghouse of uh, people who are prohibited possessors. That's what when someone goes in and purchases a firearm and it goes through NICS, that's what it pulls information from. And it was shocking to discover how many of those cases actually aren't reported because there's not a lot of uh, a penalty for states that actually don't report all their cases. And I know that you were shocked about You were shocked because you were talking about that before, too. Yeah. And it's the biggest thing. Like Julie in, in the ER, she'll see a person like that comes in like that at least w- once every two months. And that's just her seeing someone that's wow. capable of going out. That's evil, mentally sick, threatening people and released out of the hospital within a day. Like, look at look at that Buffalo shooting. It's uh, very similar to when my daughter was murdered. Uh, And people, they're shouting now, more gun laws. Okay, so in Buffalo, at the shooter at that market, he threatened to shoot his school up, right, when he was a senior. And he wasn't arrested. You know how that sick that gets me? You know, I think in Florida they learned their lesson. You know, if you threaten to shoot a school up, I know all these sheriffs, you're getting arrested in Florida. Yeah. There's no way and that the, just... And in New York, they had a law on that, but they reduced the age for uh, criminal penalty to from... Uh, they are they, Sorry, they wrote they increased the age from 17 to 18, and that's why they didn't arrest him. Yeah, so... And then they, they don't look at this stuff. They want... You know, how, how many gun laws are on the books in, in New York? It's, like, impossible mm-hmm. to get a, a gun in New York. And and then they want to look at gun laws, but when, when people break the law 
and they're not reported and not arrested, and it doesn't go on their background, it, any gun law in the world is not going to work. It doesn't matter yeah. what if they, if they yeah. don't have it on their background. So that, it made me sick, you know, uh, what happened now in Texas. You know, I had a guy, I, I, I was on the air this morning, and they call me, and they say, well, we were checking, we wanted to see how you feel. Well, now I, I'm sick over the whole thing because there's 19 other people in my club that have dead children. They're never going to be the same, and it sickens me. I think when some, I'm telling you the truth. I think I lost years off my life because of the last few days, how I felt and, and what I'm trying to get the message out. Uh, and also in Texas, what hurt me, Dana, was remember the shooting in Santa Fe in May of yes. 18? Yes. So Texas didn't learn anything. Like, you know what I mean? Florida, you're not getting into I, – I, I'm really certain in Florida that after, you see, remember the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Commission, the Governor Scott yes. put into place. So they didn't go attacking. When I was with, I met with Rick Scott and all the, the uh, state legislators, they didn't go just looking at guns. They didn't listen to the media, which was great. They didn't follow those kids that never got anything accomplished. They wanted to know what happened in Parkland and, and the failures. So they put that Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Commission together of experts throughout the whole state. They found out what was wrong, and then they made changes in the state. Mm -hmm. Evidently, they didn't do this in Texas after Santa Fe. Yeah, I'm talking with Andy Pollack, uh, who lost his daughter. His daughter was murdered in Parkland, uh, and he's been working tirelessly on fortifying schools and increasing security awareness. That's the thing, Andy, when I was reading about just some of the details as they were being released, the thing that I could not get past, unlocked door, four-foot-tall fence, doors unlocked, and the murderer apparently was able to access the school because of just an unlocked door. And, and as you just said, you know, after Santa Fe and after Buffalo, after Parkland, after, uh, you know, Sandy Hook, the, uh, the basic things that people don't even want an SRO, the basic things we can do is having a locked door, having a locked door, knowing who's in the building. That's it. It's simple. And, and, you know, I, I've seen a lot of schools uh, in my lifetime that's changed. They have two doors. They, they buzz you in the first set of doors. You go in into like a lobby area, a holding area. You show your ID. Your son's schools probably have this. They, mm -hmm. they have a key fob or they show ID. And then they go through the next set of doors. There's no access to the building anywhere ever. So it really irks me that, that, that this happened, and now there's 19 fam families in my boat, again, that are missed. they'll never be the same. And, and I just, I am I'm heart sick for you over this, because I can imagine, and you've done a lot um, with, because you've, you've talked to a number of people, you and Max Eden covered this in your book, uh, Why Meadow Died, which is available everywhere, and it gets into all of the policies, because the policies that were creating a lot of this too, you know, I was, that's the other thing, this, this murderer apparently was known to law enforcement, was known in the community to be incredibly troublesome, had been in fights, had apparently one report that I read um, from a local publication that he was kind of threatening to the female employees. He had, had worked at a Wendy's. And the school had this monitoring system for the social media for all of their students. And this murderer had apparently been posting some pretty questionable stuff, apparent, when you consider his behavior too, very questionable stuff on his social media profiles and i'm just wondering you know that why was nothing ever said or done if it was that bad that cops were going to his grandparents house because he was fighting with people 
Yeah, well, maybe we don't know yet because, like in Parkland, how many kids said with the my daughter's murderer, how many times he threatened people and it came out, yeah. you know? And it just, it could be the same situation, Dana. It's too early to tell, you know, uh, if they reported it. You know, Mike, this, the, mm-hmm. this monster that killed my daughter, he was, there was numerous times that it was reported. 45 trips to his house with the sheriff's department. So all this takes time. It's only a few days. All that's going to come out, uh, the video is going to come out. You know, I'm hearing now uh, that the police, mm-hmm. it took them over 40 minutes to an hour uh, to reach the shooter. But I, I just was talking to a buddy of mine who's a Navy SEAL, and he said those doors are almost impossible to breach unless you have like a shotgun breaching shell. Yeah. And yeah. so we'll see on the video. You know, I don't want to jump to conclusions, but they should have been trying to get in for that whole time. And time will tell. Andy, I want you to tell people how they can help you expand your advocacy for school security, school safety, and and what you need from people to help fortify uh, the schools in our country. Sure. I'd love I teamed up with a company. uh, It's called Burna, B-Y-R-N-A. So you could go to Burna dot com forward slash school safety and we could go visit schools. We could help them set up. Uh, in case there is an active shooting, uh, we'll be happy to help any school. They could reach out to us. What's awesome, too, I'm going to be sending you, for your children, these shields. It's called the Burner Shield. It weighs less than a pound, and you can put it in your backpack, your child's backpack, adult's backpack, and it makes it bulletproof, and you could, you, it's interchangeable. So I've been working tirelessly on things that, uh, that could make a difference, you know, and, and I want parents to do their homework, Okay, I want you after you drop your child off at school, you make sure that you can't get back in. That's the that's mm-hmm. number one. And that's number two, they point. have armed security. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I never and I actually like after you drop your kids off at school, see if you can get back in, like just turn around and go. That's a really good point. That's a very yeah, good parents, point. Parents want to know what you can do. Well, that's one thing. Number two is, you know, there should be in Florida with that Senate bill we got passed. It's one police officer or guardian per 500 students, you know, which Mm -hmm. was great. That was me and Ryan Petty helped get that bill uh, passed in Tallahassee uh, for that. They have the guardian program. I know you have similar programs like this in Texas. Uh, You need plainclothes people that carry in schools is a plus. So because just having one, I think they had one in Texas. One's not enough. You know, uh, you need more than one officer in a school. Andy Pollack, God love you, my friend. God bless your family. And 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 I, I'm with you. I'm I'm just giving you the biggest hug, you and Julie and your family, the biggest hug, because I know it's so That's hard true. to go through That's all of this. If there's a, if there's anything I can ever, you know, you you know, we're always here for you, you know, and, yeah, and we I all talk it. back channel. You know that we're we're family yeah, and we're here for you always. Yeah. I appreciate it, Dana. Of course. Thank you so of course. much. That's, of course. Andy Pollock and Berna.com forward slash uh, school safety. And you can go and you can BYRNA. You can go and check out all of what Andy was just talking about. And of course, his book, Why Meadow Died, the people and policies that created the Parkland shooter and endanger America's students. It is a must read. Andy Pollock, God bless you, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us. We have more to come as we wrap up this portion of our program, the second hour of our show. And then coming up, State lawmaker Matt Schaefer joins us because a lot of discussion about what funding do schools have 
to apportion to school security uh, because some schools, not every school is the same. Not every school is the same budget. And we're going to talk about that coming up. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. <laughs> it's time for Florida Man. I had actually, the whole reason I even started reading this story when I first saw it is because I couldn't figure out if the guy's mugshot, if it was his neck hair or a tattoo. I don't know. Um, this is a Florida man from Brevard County. He's accused of blowing up the mailbox of a landscaping customer over a dispute about payment. Now, when I first started reading it, I thought he was like a disgruntled customer. No, no, no. He's the landscaper. And deputies say that Peter Dusek, 29, showed up at the home uh, on Merritt Island to pick up payment for landscaping services from the previous owner of the home. However... The owner of the home had said that he told Dusik to come by the house Friday before two because he's not going to be home until late. So Dusik talked to the owner's mother, who reiterated her son wasn't home. So he got back into his SUV, drove down the road, turned around, put something in the mailbox, and minutes later, it exploded. Surveillance from all the people, because everybody's got a door camera, all caught it. It destroyed the mailbox, it bent a street sign next to the mailbox, and it threw shrapnel, shrapnel 50 feet from the detonation site. Everybody saw it. He's a violent felony offender, and he's of special concern, they say, because he's on parole for a previous sentence. Now he's back in prison, and he's got all kinds of stuff. Uh, just discharging a destructive device, possession of a destructive device to cause bodily harm, possession of a weapon by a convicted felon. Over, I guess he got mad because he didn't get his payment. He's a landscaper. I'm really curious as to about his landscaping. You know, like, I don't... No, I well, the neck hair. Tattoo or neck hair? I don't know. I feel like there should be a poll. All right, stay with us. Third hour on the way. Don't go anywhere. And I know people like to try to oversimplify this. Uh, let's talk about some real facts. And, and that is there are, quote, real gun laws in Chicago. There are, quote, real gun laws in New York. There are real gun laws in California. I hate to say this, but there are more people who were shot every weekend in Chicago than there are in schools in Texas. And that's Governor Greg Abbott, and he's not incorrect. And I don't know why that is so shrugged off whenever uh, it's it's brought up as a discussion about saving lives. Welcome to the program, third hour of the show. Dana Lash here with you, and that's that's been that's been one of the, there's been a number of 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 um, you know back and forth. And I you know we were talking about the Irish Bob stunt yesterday and everything else. I um, we've also been following uh, ever since Ron Johnson's uh, school security bill got nixed yesterday for some reason i'm i'm just not sure uh it's i don't know why it has to be made so political is it about saving lives or not because i look at this as okay what is the best way to reduce um these acts and homicide what is the best way to do it and i when you look at and and i I did a d-drive we talked about this earlier looking at controlling homicide and looking at mass casualty incidents and you know, et cetera, et cetera. No, the United States is not uh, the outlier. Really, it's not. And there's no, uh, there, there's just, there's nothing to support. In fact, it's the opposite. The other thing that I keep 
seen people talk about as a solution, which I don't know how this handles a locked door or how it handles school security, et cetera, et cetera, is they want to raise the age of ownership from 18 to 21. And they've seen a number of lawmakers talking about this. They say, oh, we should make it, um, we should raise the age. I am uh, almost to the edge of impoliteness opposed to this. When my oldest son turned 18, he received a card from the government. It is a card that families of daughters don't receive. And if you have sons and daughters, your daughters won't get one. He received a card from his government. And he had to sign his name on this card and return it or else it's a felony. And that was his draft card. And when he signed his name on that card, the week of his 18th birthday, he was essentially signing uh, by force a contract stating that his life wasn't his own. And that at any time, any of these politicians who love to get us involved in nation-building exercises and conflicts in foreign lands, who love to make reckless decisions because they're so busy politicking and thinking about how they can retain power instead of just be good leaders, watch these politicians get our servicemen and women killed. And my son had to sign that card. My other son will have to sign it too. And so... My thought on the whole thing is this. If my 18-year-old has to sign a draft card to serve his country, you bet your ass he can have his Second Amendment right. Don't count on the youth of America to constantly cash the checks with their lives that these older folks write with their actions and stupid political decisions. You absolutely better believe it. It's either a right or it's not. And I think it is pretty ridiculous to punish all, all youth because one murderous dropout 18-year-old Who's, and I'm going to say it, if you love your loved one, you're going to engage your loved one and you're going to monitor the, their, their behavior. I'm not responsible for his crap parenting, nor are you. I'm not responsible because he apparently had an unengaged mother. And if you don't like me saying it, then don't be one. I sure as hell am not going to be called to answer for the actions of a criminal, No, nor are our 18-year-olds in this country. They're not responsible for what a dropout did when he went and murdered a bunch of innocent kids. They're not, those 18-year-olds don't have to pay the price for the bad parenting. They don't have to pay the price for an unlocked door on a school. They don't have to pay a price for everybody knowing about what was going on, like in Parkland, and not saying a word. But you expect the people who you think are going to go overseas and fight for you to pay the penalty by being stripped of their rights? I'd tell you what I'd think of people who make those propositions, but I'd be fined. No. No, we're not going to strip law-abiding people of their natural rights and deprive them of due process 
throughout it because of an unmonitored 18-year-old dropout murderer. And then give the people expected to fight for you and and deny them the courtesy of fighting to preserve their right of self-defense. Are you kidding me? No. What an offensive proposition. I'm going to tell you, my kids will run rings around anybody proposing this. Run rings around people in terms of range, safety, and marksmanship. They will put you to shame. And you don't have to have grown up on a range like my kids have. You just have to be an engaged parent. I'm tired of punishing everybody else and seeing people want to punish everyone else because other parents screwed up. In college, a kid in my class was a drunk driver, killed a woman. He paid a pretty steep penalty for it. Is the response to that to take, take everybody's cars away? Or to ban alcohol? I mean, if it's about saving lives, how serious are people about saving lives? Apparently not enough if they're blocking school security bills being proposed in the Senate and the House. Automobile accidents, alcohol-related deaths. How serious are you about saving lives? I guess you hate kids because you don't want to ban alcohol. I guess you hate kids because you don't want to ban automobiles. If I was going to run to the lowest common denominator, the stupid, specious, vapid talking point that I see so many people with D's by their name say, that's my response. That would be my response. Oh, well, I guess you just don't care about saving lives because you don't look at eliminating the things that actually cause the greatest loss of life. Let's uh, ban all alcohol. Let's ban all vehicles. Let's ban pools. Let's ban water heaters. Let's ban our space heaters. Let's ban all of these things. Because that's, that would be the equivalent response. We have always had guns in this society. My older cousins, who were teenagers in the 80s, and they lived in Iron County, Missouri, Wayne County, Missouri. They went to school with rifles, deer rifles, in their tr- everybody had a truck, and they legit hunted before school. We have always had guns. We are a nation that was freed because of it. It's not firearms that have changed. It is our culture that has changed. We have a society of people who refuse to take responsibility for their own actions or inactions. I sat on stage in an arena across from the sheriff who had received 46 calls on a murderer who went and shot up Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. And this fat ass cop, Scott Israel, had the audacity to blame me for his dereliction of duty. Make sure you quote me accurately when you write that story up. He had the audacity to blame me. I'm still mad about it because he is, he is representative of a culture that denies responsibility. Oh, let's go after the inanimate objects. Millions of firearms are owned. The AR-15 FBI Uniform Crime Report 2020, by the way, they actually updated their website. It's interactive and you can search everything. It's so easy. They are three times less responsible for homicides 
than handguns, hand, feet, and fists, and blunt objects. If it's about saving lives, cut off everybody's hands because hand, feet, and fists kill more people than rifles do. Oh, I guess you just want dead kids because you just won't cut off people's hands. Is that it? I mean, this is, I'm using the exact specious formula that the left uses whenever they try to talk about lawful to own inanimate objects. Because it prevents them from having to accept any kind of responsibility in this whole national argument. No, we've always had guns in this culture. The culture has changed. Guns haven't. We've had firearms more than we've had longer than we've had vehicles. We've had firearms longer than we've had a number of other things that contribute more to loss of life. But you know what hasn't changed? Our what what our firearms haven't changed, culture has. Broken families. I know that's a joke to people on the left. But I'm going to tell you something. As someone who was raised up until the point I was a teenager and I could have gone down a bad path by a single parent, you best believe it matters. If you, if you have one parent and that parent is disengaged and then they're shuffled off somewhere else where it looks like the other adults are disengaged, what do you think is going to happen? It all starts in the home. Oh, but see, no one wants to accept responsibility because that's shaming. That's the new word that we apply to try to emotionally blackmail people who want actual accountability and responsibility from asking the people who are culpable to actually take responsibility and have some accountability. We have an epidemic of no fathers in this society because that's what this society wanted. Dads matter. Men matter. We have spent the past 20 years browbeating men. We have blamed them for everything. We have, have ran down their performance in school. We have ran down their... their we've broken their spirit collectively almost. Actually, we have. Men are afraid to speak up because they're going to be called cis, sexist, whatever. What the hell do you think is, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think you're doing to young men when society treats them like this? Everybody. What do you think is going to happen when you sit here and you say, oh no, we can't have armed resource officers in schools. There, this is a problem where there are many, many variables that are complicating it. And then to add the cherry on top, we're going to strip people of rights. After you've broken a generation, now you're going to strip them of rights. And then we also simultaneously teach them that their lives aren't worth defending. You got Chastin Buttigieg. I can't tell you a single accomplishment that this this human thumb optic has has achieved. I can't tell you a single thing that Chastin Buttigieg has done. But guys, he was once on a committee, so he knows everything about school safety. Sit down. He couldn't fight his he couldn't bust a grape in a fruit fight. Sit down. Knows nothing about school security, security or conflict period. 
they're going to sit here and they're going to politicize and they're going to they're going to run their mouths and they're going to point fingers and they're going to blame inanimate objects. And at the end of the day, we still have schools that don't have security. We still have young people that need mental health addressment, treatment. They need to have be assessed and have any problems addressed. We have a society that looks the other way. I watched a video of a woman getting beaten up on a train in New York City and not a single damn person intervened because everybody was recording on their stupid phones for clicks. Now you understand why I legitimately want an asteroid to take out this rock because humans are ridiculous. We're going to sit here and rearrange chairs on the ship as it sinks. Blame inanimate objects and avoid the real cause of this and not even have conversations about protecting our most vulnerable and innocent among us because we don't want to turn their schools into prison apparently we think our jewelry and our money and our rock stars are worth more and deserve more protection than our 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 children in schools and now all of the news you would probably miss it's time for dana's quick five brought to you by caltech Okay, lightening the mood a little bit. A couple hundred people grabbed and uh, pool noodles and had a fight in a Nebraska park over the rights to the name Josh. It began as an online joke, and now it's an actual annual event. It happens in Lincoln, Nebraska, and everybody can fight to loss with pool noodles over the name Josh. It's a very, very valuable name. And AOC said she's itching to ditch her Tesla because Elon made fun of her on Twitter. Uh, Kane wants to know what kind of car, what is she going to park illegally in front of Whole Foods? That's what he wants to know. Stick with us. Texas funding next. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern time. Welcome back to the show, Dana Lash here. We are going to join the Texas Department of Public Safety press conference on the Uvalde massacre. Victor Escalon is speaking now. It's in progress. At the barge. He jumps out the passenger side of the truck. According to witnesses, he's got a long arm, rifle, and a bag. Later we find out it's ammunition. He walks around, he sees two witnesses at the funeral home across the street from where he wrecked. He engages and fires towards them. He continues walking. He continues walking towards the school. He climbs a fence. Now he's in the parking lot shooting at the school multiple times. 1140, he walks into the west side of Robb Elementary. According to reports, video we have obtained from outside, inside, and again, we're still combing through that. So bear with us. Multiple rounds, numerous rounds are discharged in the school. We're trying to do get a number we're in the process of analyzing that video. Four minutes later, local police departments, Uvalde Police Department, the Independent School District Police Department are inside, making entry. They hear gunfire, they take rounds, they move back, get cover. And during that time, they approach where the suspect is at. 
According to the information I have, he went in at 11.40. He walks at an approximate 20 feet, 30 feet. He makes a right. He walks into the hallway. He makes a right, walks another 20 feet. Turns left into a schoolroom, into a classroom that has doors open in the middle. Officers are there, the initial officers, they receive gunfire. They don't make entry initially because of the gunfire they're receiving. But we have officers calling for additional resources. Everybody that's in the area, tactical teams. We need equipment, we need specialty equipment, we need body armor, we need precision riflemen, negotiators. So during that time, that they're making those calls to bring in help to solve this problem and stop it immediately. They're also evacuating personnel, not say personnel, students, teachers. There's a lot going on, a lot complex situation. They're measuring, they're measuring. Approximately an hour later, the U.S. Border Patrol Tactical teams arrive, they make entry, shoot and kill the suspect. But you also had a Zavala County deputy and Uvalde Police Department that made entry and killed the suspect. Immediately, immediately, numerous officers now it turns into a rescue operation. How do we save these children? How do we save these children? Some made it out. We don't have a hard number yet, but that was a goal. And then continuing making the area safe continued. A lot of moving parts afterwards. But during, they were taking gunfire, negotiations, and developing a team to make entry to stop them. I'll take a few questions. And, I, and again, look, I summary, one more thing I forgot to mention that, that I want to clear up that came out early on. It was reported that a school district police officer confronted the suspect that was making entry. Not accurate. He walked in unrestructed initially. So from the grandmother's house to the bar ditch to the school, into the school, he was not confronted by anybody. To clear the record on that. Four minutes later, law enforcement are coming in to solve this problem. Stand by. So, just want to clear that up. That's very important. And again, this will happen as we move forward. So, thank you. I'll take a few questions. So, so right now, you know, during the investigation, it appears it was unlocked. So we're going to look at that and try to cooperate that as best as we can. I do not. Hey, 
Please, one at a time, and then we'll, we'll address as many questions real, real, real as we can. Quick, so let, let me finish this question. One at a time, announce your name, and announce your network, okay? Let's be respectful, please. My name is Josh Cardwell, and how do you know why it was unlocked? So, Josh, you know, thank you for the question. So right now, we it appears it was unlocked. Like I said, it goes back to the investigation. It takes time. Uh, we will find out as much as we can why it was unlocked, or maybe it was locked. But right now, it appears it was unlocked. So thank you. Yes, sir. So during that time, right now, according to the, the information we have, the, the majority of the gunfire was in the beginning. In the beginning. I say numerous, more than 25. I mean, it was a lot of gunfire in the beginning. During the negotiations, there wasn't much gunfire other than trying to keep the officers at bay. But that could change depending on once we analyze the video. But right now, according to the information, he did not respond. My question is this, was there a school officer on campus and was that school officer armed because that's what we were told? So at this time, no. No. There was not an officer readily available armed. No. Was there an officer? No. Nothing. Nothing. I can't answer that yet. I'll circle back with you again. As we do that investigation, we have all these questions we want to answer. So, but I'll, I'll get back with you, sir. Yes. There's a 12-minute gap. There's a 12-minute gap from when he crashes his truck to when he enters the school. 12 minutes. What happened in that 12 minutes? So you got to understand. 11:30 is the information we have at this point that we can confirm. 11:30. AM, the PD gets a, we got a crash and a man with a gun. And they have responding officers. That's what it is. If it's 12 minutes from 1130 to 1140, that's the information we have right now. Look, at the end of the day, our job is to report the facts and have those answers. We're not there yet. Over here, over here. When was the first 911 call? Say it again. When was the first 911 call? So, so right now, the first 911 call is at 11, 11.30. I will get the time what it took to respond. So we'll have that answer. Yes. Could. There's a lot of possibilities. There's a lot, a lot of possibilities. Until, until, until we receive an interview, because there was numerous officers at that classroom, numerous. Once we interview all those officers, what they were thinking, what they did, why they did it, the video, the residual interviews, we'll have a better idea. Could anybody have gone there sooner? You gotta understand, small town. Yeah, people from Eagle Pass, from Del Rio, Laredo, San Antonio responding to a small community. Based on the information you have so far, sir, should the officers have gotten sooner? Should they have waited for those tactical procedures? Should they have gotten right? That's a tough question. That's a tough question. Again, it goes back. Our job is to report the facts. Report the facts, and later we can answer those questions. I don't have enough information to answer that question just yet. So, one more, one more question, please. Is accurate that eyewitnesses and potentially parents of the students were urging 
I have heard that information, but we have not verified that yet. So, what, we have not verified is that, is that a true statement or not, or is it just rumor out there? So, you got to understand, we're getting a lot of information we're trying to track down and see what is true. We want to vet it. That's all I have for questions. Thank you so much. So this is the press conference with the Texas Department of Public Safety. Victor Escalon is answering questions. There's a lot of discussion about that time period between the phone call from the grandmother's house, the first engagement and the last engagement and a span of time that went by uh, a lot of questions. And I realize that the investigation is ongoing, but you heard from uh, you heard from Texas DPS right there. Uh, and I, I've been taking notes on this. He, there was no school officer. There was no SRO, no one armed and readily available. Uh, and uh, additionally, the door was unlocked and the murderer was able to walk in unobstructed. So there was no, no encounter before that point. That's a huge bit of information that has changed in the past 48 hours. And we're, st- we're going to continue following this. And even after I'm off air, I will still bring you the latest. I'll put it up on Facebook, on Substack, and you can, you can have that information. I want to bring in our guest. He's been very kind to wait uh, for us, Texas Representative Matt Schaefer out of House District 6. And he has been following this, and he's also been, uh, he's also been speaking a lot, too, as questions have come up about the security issue. Uh, and and it's, it's good to meet with you, Representative Matt Schaefer. It's good to, meet with, uh, to have you on the program. You just heard DPS there, uh, the unlocked door, uh, the security uh, doesn't, there was no SRO there, although I know that they have an SRO, there just wasn't one armed and readily available there. I just kind of want to get your initial reaction to what you heard, and then I want to get into, uh, ask you a question too about allocations of, 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 of money apportioned to school security from the state of Texas, but your initial thoughts to that, to what you just heard. I was really struck by the statement that there was no armed officer on campus at the time that the shooter uh, made entry. Uh, that, that really uh, highlights a, a, a point that has to be made, that when an armed person comes to a school, that person has to be met with another armed person. And it's too late, unfortunately, to have that person arrive after the fact. And so I think every school board in the state of Texas needs to be talking right now, but how do you get an armed officer, whether that be a a licensed peace officer or that is a teacher or an administrator who has the training, the ability, and the willingness to be armed on campus. Under Texas law, local independent school districts have complete authority to arm uh, teachers or administrators if they want to. And that's not just any teacher, and that's not forcing teachers to be armed but picking the right people based on training and temperament and their willingness and their ability to be armed because the person who is there is the one that can defend against an attack like this. Yeah, and that's a, that's a, a great point. And as we, we heard in that, I mean, it, it, the door was unlocked. There was no, 
no obstruction and no one out there. And this was after he had crashed the vehicle. And then apparently we were everyone was wondering when the funeral home, the witnesses there came into play. Now we have a better idea, but there's still some questions about that gap of time. Uh, I know Texas and you were talking you've talked about this before has the guardian program and there are ways because not every district's the same and I understand not everybody has the same property tax and everybody has the same budget and so some school security and not every school is a huge school that might be like in a metropolitan area so not it's not a one-size-fits-all solution how is the state working to address this uh, because you know because the variables are so different school to school well, for a number of years, I've been on the uh, House of Representatives uh, Committee, the Homeland Security and Public Safety Committee, and I have sat through hours of testimony on this topic, uh, hearing from school superintendents, from law enforcement officials, uh, and experts about how to handle this. Texas schools have had the ability to arm teachers for decades. They have been doing it since the 90s, and they've been doing it very successfully. And what I mean by that is that they have been no reports of, of teachers abusing it, of there being problems, of there being accidental discharges or criminal acts committed because of these teachers being armed. They, there are actually schools in the state of Texas where one of those uh, administrators or teachers has access to a rifle because they know if someone shows up to a school with a rifle, or another rifle may be the only way that you can respond to that. Yeah. Schools have had the training uh, available to their teachers for a number of years. After the Santa Fe shooting in Texas, we allocated well over $300 million of additional money to public schools throughout Texas to harden their schools. They did things like add push bars to exit doors, right, so that you could easily get out of exit. Uh, uh, adding metal detectors, uh, vehicle barriers, new alarm systems, cameras, uh, putting bullet-resistant film right. on entryway glass. So there's a number Training. of things, and I don't mean to interrupt you, talking with, with uh, Representative Matt Schaefer. We're, really, we're short on time in our third hour here. But is it a lot of this is school discretion as well? Do they have a lot of discretion over how it's spent? They do. It, it is local discretion, uh, and that's because schools are so different. I can right. take you to West Texas where they're wide open. And there's not a major police department for 50 miles. And then I can take you to a dense urban area. And it's hard for the state to try to tell each school how to do it. Right. But we do have the state, uh, the safety center, where there's a lot of expertise and best practices and model guidance that these schools can go to get ideas and to get resources on how to implement it. Yes. Uh, Representative Matt Schaefer, Texas's House District 6, I so appreciate your time. I'm sorry that we had you waiting. It's been very fluid, a lot of news today, uh, but I'm so grateful that you were able to join us and give us a little bit of insight into the funding for this because I've gotten that question from a lot of the listeners in our from our Texas affiliates. And so that was that was a great, a great information to have. Uh, we'd love to have you back again. Representative Matt Schaefer, thank you so much for your time today and for bearing with us. We appreciate it. The Dana Show. Folks, we're short today. I am out tomorrow. My brother Sergio will be in for Memorial Day. Folks, thanks to all who have served in our armed forces. Thank you for your sacrifice. We love you, and we won't forget that. Folks, be good to each other. Hug your kids. God bless. Back Tuesday. Back Tuesday.